Welcome back to the Blockument. Welcome, welcome. Welcome, welcome. (laughs) Crypto education through everyday conversations. My name is Nate Talbot. I'm the executive director of Detroit Blockchain Center. And to my right is... I am Ashley Rose. I am your everyday mother. I'm a reseller. And I am on a journey to figure out what is all this crypto uh, business about. All right, and we have a special, special guest in the house today from Elthea Network. You want to introduce yourself real quick? Yeah, sure. Thanks so much for having me. I'm Deborah St. Pierre. I'm the CEO and co-founder of a crypto project called Althea that started in 2018, and really happy to be here in, uh, in Detroit with, uh, with everyone. Thank you, thank you. We're going to dig all into that in a couple of minutes. As today we talk about what does utility mean in crypto? Right, we all heard crypto is money. We always hear about uh, um, projects that say like, "Oh, you, we have utility," but like, you know, really, really, what does that mean? So that's what we're going to sort of dig into today. But before we get started, let's uh, check out what uh, block height are we at today? Yes, our, our block height timestamp. Um, so the the most recent block that was produced is uh, block number seven hundred eighty-two thousand six hundred and eleven. Um, via BTC or via BTC, however, mm-hmm. won that. Um, the total subsidies and fees were $181,075. All right. Um, and the size of that block was 1.64 MB. MB. So uh, you had asked earlier, you had noticed earlier, right? Yeah. Like mm-hmm. block size is different than it was the, the past, last episode. Yeah. The past couple episodes. Yeah. So it was three point something MB the last couple times, and this time it's uh, 1.64. So I was like, hmm, I wonder what does that mean? What do you think it means? Um, less transactions? Or the transaction sizes were smaller? Could be. Right. Um. Deborah, you want to take a stab? Just let us know what it, why block sizes, what, what, why are they different sizes? Um, yeah, it can be a variety of different things, right? I mean, um, the uh, yeah, it could be you know transactions or um, the so so what, let's, let's let's talk a little bit about what does MB mean, right? Right. <laughs> so. Um, you know, I think I'll kick it over to you guys for for, for that on the um, to explain kind of more the the Bitcoin part uh-huh. of it. You know, okay, but, uh. yeah. The uh, well, the Megabyte, it's it's Bitcoin. We're talking about the Bitcoin blockchain right now, but it it, it applies to um, pretty much most chains. If you're going to store, right, a chain is just storing information, right? Yep. It's a ledger. It's just storing information. Uh, information takes sizes. If you have an MP3 or a Word document, right, they all have a file size, uh, but we want to, unlike with your computer that has infinitely gaining sort of size space, right? Um, <laughs> we got our breakfast bourbon going on. <laughs> um, we have to manage size because this is part of the scalability issue, right? If a block, if a blockchain is too large, people can't download it, and now that kills sort of the decentralization concept. Um, so with Bitcoin specifically, it has a one meg block size, but over the years, some loop arounds and compromises have happened um, where theoretically you could cram up to four megs into a block versus a chain like Ethereum has um, varying size structure. Um, so it's it does exponentially get larger um, because people shove more and more stuff into it. That's why you can do NFTs on those. So, but then shoving more megs into a block, does that mean you can have more transactions? Well, that means there are more transactions or data in general. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what the fee is for, right? So we'll do maybe a show based around all of that. But basically, what you're, the reason it's bigger is because yeah. you pay for how much of that block space oh, okay. you need, right? It's like a, a storage closet. You can only yeah. shove so much in there. And so whoever's willing to pay the most to get in there, mm-hmm. that's why fees go up and down. 
And then sometimes nobody has any stuff they want to store, and so it's a very small block. And sometimes people have a bunch of stuff to store, and it's a full block. So um, that is what the size is. And MB is megabytes, right? You'll have gigabytes and terabytes and hexabytes and nanobytes. And we're getting to a point where we'll probably have, like, super hexo, sexo, checo bytes because mm-hmm. – we like a <laughs> we like a lot of uh, space and storage, but today's focus: what does utility and crypto mean? So every episode, um, ever we start out <laughs> with Ashley as our gauge to see how well we do yeah. in ex- talking about the whole thing. So that. we do that by asking you the question, yeah. Ashley: what does utility Love and crypto this mean? Part. <laughs> um, Okay, so I my assumption here would be okay. So obviously, crypto can be used as money, um, and it's so now I have actually I have a little bit of an advantage here because we just talked about that it stores data. So now I'm like, okay, so it could store data. So anything. So my assumption now would be um, anything that stores data, like so almost almost anything, any utility. Um, but I could be wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but before that, I would have said things along the line of like um, it could get you into a special club, maybe, or like it could serve as a a ticket to a game, or it could serve as um, putting your home on the, like your deed, for example, on the blockchain. And that's my answer. All right, <laughs> I can dig that answer. Um, I'm going to ask you, Deborah, your perspective of it. To you, what does it mean for utility? Yeah, I, I think the um, we have to kind of sort of boil down the difference between a system that's built in a decentralized or blockchain-based way versus a centralized one. Um, and I think that really gets to the heart of um, the utility. Um, there's a lot of things that are built in you know, in a decentralized way that maybe don't need to include a token or things like that, right? So when we're, we're talking about what does utility mean, I think we need to also back up and say, well, it's it's not necessarily token-based. Um, it can also just mean a system that's built in a decentralized way. Um, and that is really what gives us back a lot of those core systemic values. Um, so a lot of the reasons why things are you know, not as good as they could be, right? You know, we say, well, why, why, how can we, why are banks bad, right? Why is the internet bad? Why, you know, why is the transportation, why is the traffic, right? Why are all of these systems, um, and sometimes the problem is, is that they're, you know, custodial, meaning they're centralized, other people hold and have ownership of things. Um, and when other people have, uh, you know, have custody or have ownership of things, um, that changes the choice and the leverage. So that's really what I think. So when we have decentralized systems, that means more people can have ownership and equity. And what does ownership really mean, right? Well, ownership means that you get to have choice about what happens to things, and it means that you get to have leverage. You might be able to use it to make money or to better your life in some way. So the utility, when we're talking about utility and blockchain, I think what we're what the core underlying ethos and principles of that is, is that we get to be able to have equitable ownership. We get to remake systems that are fundamentally flawed because they're custodial or centralized or other people have control of them. I like that answer. Um, I have a question. What do you mean by equitable ownership? So um, I think that we intrinsically feel as human beings that we have core values. We have core freedoms that are afforded to us, life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness. Um, and so the, that means the things that affect us, we should have participate. We should be able to participate in them. We should be able to have choice around them. Mm. So when I talk about equitable ownership, it means those things that affect you, you're able to have participation, a choice, a vote in um, those things. Um, So you see a lot of projects around crypto use the fundamental pieces of decentralization and and equitable ownership to build things like a DAO, which is a digital cooperative, essentially. Um, Or with my project, what we do is we we look at remaking the systems of Internet access in a more equitable way so more people can participate. Okay. And uh, a little backstory. 
is um, I met Deborah virtually years ago yeah. as we were starting Detroit Blockchain Center. Um, and like one of the things I'm passionate about and why I like your answer of what is utility um, and I think why we connected was, you know, I'm more of a fundamentalist type, right? Like I, I tell people all the time, come for the riches, but stay for the revolution. That was my path. <laughs> I love it. Um, I like the way we can change the way society sort of works. In in tw 2017, 18, when I was really getting really active um, sort of as an educator in the space, that's what I was looking for. Like, where's the utility? Like, I heard these promises, but I'm not seeing it anywhere. And I was scouring the internet, right, looking through everything I could to find projects of utility. And all I, the only utility I could find was projects that were trying to build sound money. And there, we had Bitcoin, but there was other projects working on it that um, were, aren't scammy, right? Hey. <laughs> like the Litecoin, which I'm sort of representing today with the b bottle. Nice. Um, oh, yeah, look at that. Monero, you know, Zcash. There's a lot of pro things that are working on money. That's one utility. Um, that was what it, this whole system was sort of built for. But then what other utility? And there's a lot of promises. Oh, we're doing AI, or we're going to redo Wikipedia, or we're going to redo real estate, or you're going to redo banana tracking and supply <laughs> chains and everything yeah. else. Um, and it's like, yeah. A lot of them, it's like, I don't know if you really need a blockchain for that. Mm -hmm. um, and then the rest is like, I, I see the argument there, but I really feel you like your utility is just to fund yourself, mm. get a bunch of money, and then see if you can figure out the problem. And I came across Althea. And Althea was working as, as there was like on internet, and I'll let her explain more in depth on, on what that means, but... What drew me to it were they were chain agnostic, they were open source, they weren't shilling a token, they weren't shilling hardware, like, oh, we're going to do all this thing, just buy this. <laughs> There's no sales pitch at the end. You hear all this, is like, great, and it didn't end with, now go to the <laughs> yeah. back and sign yeah. up. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I was like, wow. Um, so that's one example of utility, and I would like to take a minute to sort of explain so people can understand sort of where you're coming from on that. Um, dig a little bit into what Althea is and what it is you're really building. Yeah, I appreciate that, and, and thanks for the space to share this. Um, so, uh, like I said, we met Nate back in, I think, about 2019, and we, we started Althea in 2018 uh, to remake the systems of the Internet, right? I think everybody kind of intrinsically knows that, you know, your ISP sucks. <laughs> and, you know, uh, we've thrown around 100 What's billion. ISP? Oh, great, great question. Um, so ISP is an Internet service provider, your mm -hmm. Charter, your Comcast, your Verizon. Yeah, you know, they're providing you internet. And there's some like interesting way that that's already, when we talk about ISP, service mm -hmm. provider, it's bundled in both the infrastructure, you know, your fiber optic cables and the service layer into almost an exploitive conversation from the beginning, right? Because yeah. you're, it's one cable that goes to your house. You can't share that with your neighbors, um, it sort of silos it, and then you're the product. They're capturing you as the user, rather than selling you, you know, like your water, just a connection, a connection um, uh, that you can do whatever you want with. Yeah. So, um, but I think we kind of all know that, like our big <laughs> Comcast and things, they're not, they're not well liked, you know, and and, and it's uh, agreed. <laughs> it's sort of an intrinsic thing. We know there's some problems there. <laughs> Um, and it, and it's not because, you know, like the people are evil or Comcast is evil. I mean, we like to try to think that way, but it's really not that it's, it's the systems that we've architected are, are kind of fundamentally flawed. Um, so back in 2018, we started looking, Hey, at the core of the internet where carriers kind of charge each other, you know, there's an open market for bandwidth and, uh, that open market has created this, um, um this this openness of bandwidth and so year over year for like the last 20 something years costs have gone down and quantity and, and, and availability of bandwidth has gone up there's no dead ends so Althea was the um, the thesis that we can bring that open market that efficiency um, all the way down to you know your phone or your your you know connectivity solution in, in your community 
Um, so we have to build a lot of things. Um, but blockchain is really important to that because it creates things that we, systems that we can create programmatically that don't involve a human. Um, and then we can create natural alignments um, where like right now it's fundamentally sort of misaligned. And I can dig into more of that. Mm-hmm. But that's that's what basically Althea is. It's a set of tools. It's a platform to, you know, remake these really flawed systems, remove friction. Right. Um, and so, like, that's what I see is, like, utility, right? Yeah. There's a real use case. And the, I think the key question, though, um, especially is, like, what does it mean particular to crypto or blockchain, right? It's like, all right, let's do that. Why do you need a blockchain to do that? Yeah, that was my next question. Yeah, and I think it's a couple different reasons. Um you know, and I, I think it goes back to one um, being pro- being able to have composability and programmatic in uh, permissionless systems. So um, outside of blockchain, you sort of have, you know, let's think about like a SaaS system or something where you pay for software and you, you pay a person and they give you access. In blockchain, it's fundamentally different. It's permissionless. Anyone can connect to it and use it. And payments and systems flow freely. And that's a core fundamental piece of blockchain, which is so empowering and what makes a system like Althea work. Mm-hmm. It's open. It's permissionless. And... Um, you can trust the code to send the payments between different participants in the network instead of trusting a centralized company to do so. And it's really interesting, there's other residual positive parts of that, right? So for example, in emerging markets where the legal system isn't good, or it's very hard to collect payments from folks, there's that's part of the reason why there isn't better infrastructure, there isn't more internet access there. Uh, because they're not sure they're going to get paid, you know? Mm-hmm. They're not sure they can say, hey, this is really my, you know, tower. But when it's all programmatic, it's all automatic, everything happens permissionlessly like that, um, then, you know, then that removes that risk, that, that demand risk. Um, plus, so we make, cool. yeah, mm-hmm. we also make global systems from that, right? So mm-hmm. why is the internet different, you know? Um, why can't you send payments seamlessly across Canada, U.S. and Mexico, and the same way you could send radio waves and frequency? And um, there's a, better world out there um, Mm -hmm. that we're building toward. So so when you say internet, though, I kind of feel like I think, um, like, do you mean like the whole internet, like like a Facebook, like a banking Mm -hmm. to use the internet, like like everything, like playing games, like everything, the whole, like the whole internet. So when when we talk about internet, we're talking about um, the infrastructure of the internet. So fiber optic cables and uh, you know radio waves, but that it's it's all kind of interconnected, right? So I was before Althea, I was a big uh, activist for net neutrality, keeping those core freedoms, being able to access whatever we want, really comes down into how people capture value, and um, you know. Uh, I was. I remember being at a keynote um, with a large carrier talking about how they could, um, you know, a casino could give someone free internet, and uh, then they could shape your behavior. They can make you stay at a restaurant a little longer, you know, drink a little more. Maybe you're like a little more inclined to buy that souvenir T-shirt. Um, and so it's, you know, even though I'm, I'm talking mostly about how we're remaking the systems of the infrastructure, you really are remaking. Um, the freedom and the openness of the internet, which I think is, you know, really core to so many intersectional issues. Yeah. A way I approach a lot of things, when I'm, I'm looking at anything and I'm trying to figure out, like, where's value, um, crypto or not crypto, um, but especially in crypto, it, it comes down to, like, game theory, and we should probably do an episode just on sort of game theoretic oh, yeah. thinking, because that's what a lot of this is based off of. Um it's the game theory, right? It's like, why, what is the incentive for a Comcast or any ISP? Right. What is their incentive to go into an inner city that doesn't have much money, right? The poorest neighborhoods mm-hmm. or a rural area, which may also have the same financial struggles, or they might financially be okay, but there's so few people there. What's right. the economic interest for Comcast to go in and build out infrastructure, right? And this is sort of what game theory is all about. It's like, I'm going to spend, I'll just make up some numbers, but I'll spend $150 million to set up 12 people in this rural area to earn, you know, maybe a couple hundred thousand dollars over a span of a few years. 
it doesn't make sense. Yeah. But what would might what might make sense is for you and your neighborhood to help your neighbors get on, right, and gain access to the internet in exchange for a reduced internet bill or maybe free internet. And if you're really savvy with it, maybe even gain a small profit from it. You're going to be you're more incentivized by making a hundred bucks a month or having zero payment internet and to do stuff for that than Comcast is. Right. Right. And so it shifts people's so motives um, and incentives. Mm-hmm. And that w- when I'm talking about utility in pe- general across the spectrum, that's really what I look for. It's like, what's where's the incentive model? Yeah. If it's not giving proper incentives, right, it doesn't really make sense. And internet is a great example of all of that. Um, there's other areas we were talking about the show before one of the first areas I think that popped up for utility I think the, I think really the first area because this is all based off money systems is sort of DeFi sure. um, so you have like decentralized exchanges I think that's an argue, arguable utility Right. I think AMMs, right, automated market makers, where you don't have to have a, you know, a person mm-hmm. in there making a market, right? That could happen. And again, that comes back to when you open things up permissionlessly, people can, um, you know, because before, uh, let's say you wanted to access or you had something you wanted to um, trade, you had a um, commodity that you wanted to open up for investment. You know, you have to have uh, a market maker, a person. You have to get. I mean, that's really not accessible to. Um, right. Most most folks, and so um, you know, uh, I think AMMs really opened up a lot of projects to be able to um, you know participate in that. Yeah, and I think Robinhood is a good example of that, right? Like yeah. Robinhood is probably the big, the first breakthrough app that sort of it gamatized yeah. trading. People, most people understand trading, even though they don't really understand trading. <laughs> they they get the general concept, and they know this is what people do who like. Get rich or something. They think of Wall Street, the movie, and all that kind of stuff. Um, but a problem with Robinhood is what people saw sort of during that 2020, um, 2021 with the whole GameStop stuff is you still use this centralized entity. Robinhood controls everything. Right. right? You, you buy stuff on Robinhood. You don't get anything on Robinhood except for uh, entry into a controlled ledger by them. They say you owned GameStop yeah. stocks. They say you owned Dogecoin, if that's what you were doing, or Bitcoin, but you don't because you don't have it, right? right? And then when you try to sell it, this thing you owned, oh, I want to sell it now. They're like, eh, hold on. Right. We're not going to let you sell it yet. Yeah. We're going to let them sell it first. And then when they're right. done selling and making their profit, then we'll open it back up to you. Um, and so just like you saw with like the Internet, you know, before Robinhood, people started to see those same things with it, like AMMs and how, you know, we'll get into those too when we talk about like DeFi and all that. But, okay. um, yeah, it's like, what if you didn't need to trust a Robinhood? What if you could do all that without Robinhood, right? What if you could do, there's real estate examples. I don't know, in your um, blockchain life, right, what, what <laughs> other utility pieces have you come across that you thought actually like that might be useful so i'm gonna take y'all back to like even before blockchain like before okay. Bitcoin. Back, yeah. <laughs> so um this is actually really really got really excited about decentralized technology which was a, a project called folding at home um which was essentially using your home computer to help scientists fold proteins for research um oh, wow. and it was where you know because supercomputing um uh access access to the big supercomputers even the universities it's cost money and not all universities have access to this um and so so Folding at Home came along, and anybody, it was a volunteer basis, but everyone got together around these little programs on their on their home computer, and that um, coordinated effort um, allowed the scientists to have, you know, to, to do this, you know, massive, basically what would have taken us, what would have taken a supercomputer before. Yeah. 
the decentralized technology um, uh, was able to coordinate people to to do that kind of research in a, in a decentralized way. Oh, that's so cool! And, and that's what got me. And you know, and we see this now too. We've got um, you know Filecoin. Um, also, there's there's a SIA. There's many different um, uh, decentralized storage mechanisms. And that it's interesting. There's that there's uh, probably another conversation around decentralized storage in block space, right? Yeah. Data availability. There's things like Celestia coming along. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, but dis- storing decentralized decentralized compute like Akash is another um, uh, or Kudos I think also does it as well. Um, those sorts of processes that distributing across a lot of individuals participants creates not only um, access but also um, resiliency. So sustainable or so decentralized systems empirically are more sustainable. They're less fragile. Um, than centralized one. I think we're seeing, you know, you know, we're seeing this sort of fragility of the centralized systems, you know, come into play recently too. So, I think there's a lot there with um, the advent now of Chat GPT. Mm-hmm. Right, oh, most I people, love that. right? But if you <laughs> if you're in <laughs> on Chat GPT four, right, um, you start to see, or even when when three and a half came out. Um, you could see some centralized problems there right. that people were talking about in blockchain space. And I can't advocate for any of the specific projects. Cause I don't know their, I didn't study deep on their approach, but now we're seeing why the sort of like that, that would be needed. If you ever use chat GPT, if you use the free version, you'll see like, Oh, we can't, we can't take you right now. Right. You can't right. log in because yeah. that's because Doing something like that, even though it seems on our front end like, oh, it's just this quick response, there's masses of amount of computation and running the, the language model and machine learning process. Um, and they need to, you know, it's like running a Google data center, right? Right. Um, and then with ChatGPT4, you see that if you do the paid version, you use 4, you'll see they're like, all right, you can get 25 messages over the next three hours, and that's it. That's all we can handle at capacity. So... Now, how you build the model is one thing, but the utility there could be, what if we could, what what that was just saying, right, distribute the computation power across anybody with a computer, right. potentially anybody with a phone, like a CPU, a phone in your pocket or a laptop or whatever. Um, what if we could get them to process it? And the blockchain then comes in because it's like, well, how do I incentivize you, Ash, yeah. to use your computer memory and and storage space and processing power well give me a couple more to do that questions i can ask or a couple yeah. more uses. well well one of them right <laughs> if i could have unlimited use that'd be well they might say unlimited use way. or maybe they'll say like look essentially we'll pay you for it right yeah, for every too. i'll take it off for every meg we just talked about <laughs> megabytes right mm-hmm. for every megabyte of processing power you allow us to throughput mm-hmm. we'll pay you this market rate and now you just got to turn your computer on and Go do what you do, and your computer's sitting here making money, and crypto and blockchains can be that transparent way to know, because now if you use a blockchain, right, it's transparent so you can see, I process this information, this is the market rate, this is how much I'm owed. You're not trusting a central entity to be like, oh, we only... We only use this much of your space, so we're only going to pay you this. That's interesting, because I kind of thought that it operated a little similar to that only because it's like everyone it's open source so i think it's i don't know it was marketed to me that it is kind of like that what's what's open source chat gpt there's nothing open (laughs) source about chat gpt yeah but that's but that's what everyone says who i talk to about it no it's because the name of the company i think is called open Open ai (laughs) it's supposed to be like this open source community nonprofit, but they've shifted their model I think that, and then, and I think to Nate's point earlier, you know, um, access to that um, resource can even be a great equalizer if everyone, you know, whether you're in, you know, Central Africa or you're in, you know, New York City, has access to it alike. But as we're starting to see already, that that is not going to be taking place. It'll have it'll be gated by you know monetary interests and um, you know potentially other types of control will come in. And that's really where what's unfortunate as we start getting more AI, as we start getting more access to resources, is that really coming to all the world's kids? Like, is every you know twelve year old going to be able to access it, or only some? Yeah. 
And I think, again, that comes yeah. to like what the utility piece is. Like right. when you're looking at utility, you can do supply chains, right? Um, I'm not a big fan of permissioned blockchain systems because all I hear is database, yeah. right? Um, but it's like how much certain things have challenges. If you want um, if Walmart, if you're going to go to your grocery store and you want to track where your apple came from, right? I don't know that you can really do that realistically on a blockchain because the chain doesn't know what's happening in the real world. It only knows what's happening on chain. So yeah. you pick the apple, you what scan it. I don't know how you scan the apple naturally. So first you got to buy a sticker and you got to <laughs> yeah. trust that process. Then you scan it, assume you trust that. And then you're at the grocery store and you scan it again and be like, oh, it got picked here. How do I know the sticker didn't move? How yeah. I know anything, right? Those kind of utility things maybe don't make sense yet, especially as IoT needs to develop along with it. Oh. Yeah. Well, what, what's interesting, too, is that, uh, there, there's two kinds of things that actually can combine. Um, I'm thinking also about the utility decentralized electric grid. Mm -hmm. um, and like you said, the sticker, you can manually move or not. But as soon as you start being able to meter things and actually, you know, are watching things in the protocol along with the um, – uh, uh, as things move around, right? So you could, you know, put the the metering of electricity uh, on the blockchain, and more people could participate. They got a Tesla Powerwall, you know, they're saving uh, and creating energy with their solar panels, and then participating yeah. back into the grid. Then you start to connect the real world yeah. with a digital twin, almost. Right. Um, and that's really kind of, you know, we have something with Althea called Liquid Infrastructure, doing something similar, you tokenize that fiber optic cable by, you know, um, the revenue moving through the system. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think, you know, supply chain's a little more challenging, but as long as you, if you can start moving or, or metering things and, and those systems that are already sort of metered and, and, and tracked, mm -hmm. then it becomes a little more fun. Yeah, I, th I think it's prioritizing. Right. Um, you know, it's, if you build the, that core infrastructure, yep. you can centralize going up. Like, you know, if you go back to, you know, popular for going back to Bitcoin on a lot of things. If you go to like Bitcoin can be money and that's cool. If you if we all agree that's the sound value piece, I don't need uh finance to happen on Bitcoin. I need finance to just have a stable monetary base. And so finance could happen on Ethereum, it could happen on Cosmos, it can happen anywhere, right? If you have a sound monetary base to it. Right. And it's the same thing. Like you're talking about electricity. I can have electricity or Internet or these things that you might be able to track. Um, and that's where that sort of utility piece is. And then that same thing sort of comes along like when you talk about real estate. So there's a lot of projects that are like, oh, you can fractionalize real estate. And I like that idea because real estate has a problem of not being liquid. Right. You had mentioned like your liquid infrastructure right. real estate. You buy a building, you spend, you know, one point two million dollars on the building. Yeah. And then next week you need that money. That's not easy to get yeah, yeah. in a traditional system. You got to find a buyer, right? And that's hard because you got to screen the buyer. You got to do all these processes. Um, so if you could talk a government, like a county who usually does your deeds and stuff, to do the auditing, you got to do this really sound auditing in the beginning, and then put that deed on the blockchain. And from that point forward, all auditing happens on chain, right? We trust that initial point, but you're not going to get around that. But now, that's solid infrastructure. And now you can do utility with real estate because you yeah. could fractionalize mm, right. square footage. Imagine if you could, uh, we're in a building now and the building owner could be like, you know what, I'm gonna lease two square feet, basically, right? You can own two square feet and then when I lease it, the automatic payments could just flow to you, your, your share of the rent. That's sort of the original concept of yeah, and you can own the fiber optic in it throughout the end. Yeah, you can have that as well and fractionalize that. And mm -hmm. um, yeah, that's that's utility. That's that's power. I see your brain moving around. Yeah, well, I was I was just wondering if like it would be comparable to like well, okay, two things. First, I was I actually saw somebody talking about this on. Facebook, because I use Facebook. Mm -hmm. um, we'll get you off yeah, that, but go ahead. <laughs> um, saying that it would be very difficult, cause to the auditing point that you mentioned, um, it would be very difficult because there's lots of people who have like their family deeds like locked up in a family safe or like under their mattress. So that would have to be something that would be like a slowly over time kind of, right? Like 
like how everyone switched from using checks to like um, debit cards or like digital money, right? Like a slow roll. Like my grandma still uses checks. It kind of is my example. Like, mm -hmm. and she goes and she goes to the bank or wherever and she hands them a check and pays. I actually, yeah, so I, I think I think the toll roads are a good example of the mechanisms that make change happen faster. So if I don't know if you remember back in the day when there were toll roads, you had change, you know, you'd stop and yeah. a person would, but um, you know, obviously that was incredibly inefficient. And now you just drive and take picture and payments happen automatically I think before we know it actually the um, the payment infrastructure is going to become non uh, manual right like if you think about all the smart cities and the the, the, the connected infrastructure you know you're not gonna be able to send a uh, like a net 30 invoice to a smart connected you know yeah <laughs> so those sorts of things I think are going to push things more digital quicker um, just for the the sake of efficiency and so we'll probably see that progression a little quicker than we did the last sort of set I think that toll road yeah. example is a really good point yeah because like it's like you said you used to drive through yeah hand physical money over, get <laughs> yeah. physical change back if needed, drive forward. Yeah. Traffic jam. Right. Now they take a picture of your license plate. Yeah. And in most systems, especially if you're just doing random travel, they'll send you a bill. Right. And then you can pay. Still inefficient. Much better for traffic flow, but you have this delayed payment. I'll travel across state lines, hit these throughways, forget all about it. Yeah, I don't just like it. Who looks at their mail anymore? Yeah. And it's like, oh, this looks like an ad, but it's really like your bill, but now your <laughs> yeah. 30 cent toll fee turned yeah. into a $10 <laughs> fee. But now imagine yeah. every car had a crypto wallet in it. Ooh, that's what we're doing over here without the... Uh... Right, you know, that's what you do with yeah. you know, the smart city infrastructure stuff you talk about. When yeah. I want you to drive through, before you take a trip, you load $30 into your car wallet. Yeah. And then as you just drive, it scans your car, you oh, use yeah. these decentralized so cool. ID things so they know what car it is. Yep. They see your car, they you pay instantly. So you've solved the traffic jam and that net 30-day oh. billing. Yeah. And you just drive, you pay, you go. Wow, and it's that's done. amazing. I'm on board. Sign me up. Yeah, and I think you know, in, in, in terms of just also the uh, the liquidity, right? So you know, if you if somebody said to you, well, I, you know, I could pay you now, or would you like to wait thirty yeah. days? You yeah. know, <laughs> yeah. and, and and that's the same across. Like even back to our internet example, you know, when we have carriers like Comcast who have to wait for their payments, I mean, that's that's uh, you know, having liquidity today allows systems to be able to monetize and to move things forward a lot a lot quicker. It's it's a liquidity crunch, really. Actually, we just, um, so full disclosure, right? So we know the Blockuments, powered by Detroit Blockchain Center. Detroit Blockchain Center has been on this mission to try to find a better way for internet connectivity. So we've been working with Althea mm -hmm. um, in this. Althea's been in Detroit, is why Deborah's here now, yeah. to help Bye. us break ground on that. And we're making a lot of progress. Um, we're actually breaking ground. But in one of those conversations we had this weekend, um, there are community internet initiatives that are happening across the country that have nothing to do with blockchain. There's none, none of that infrastructure. But the problem, they have several problems, one of them being what you just said, right, that net 30-day billing. They have to be able to sustain the network. And that means they either have to wait for somebody to graciously just give money to them, mm -hmm. and then the donor at any point could just be like, eh, nah, not this year. Now what do you do? Yeah, right. Or you have to bill your people, right? The community that you're in, which there's nothing wrong with that, but now you have this community initiative that has to chase down people. Their whole point was to try to give people access, and now they're the new Comcast. Yeah. You've just shifted the exact same problems. Yeah. It's like you said, it's like, yeah, I, Comcast isn't an angel. <laughs> and, and Comcast, you know, to, not to pick on them specifically, because it's not a Comcast-only thing, yeah. any ISP. Yeah. Um, you know, it's not that they're inherently evil, although they're not inherently good. <laughs> but at the same token, you shift that problem down to a community level, and they have those same exact problems. And that's what we were discussing. Remember, somebody yeah. brought that up. And that's why, again, where this utility could come into place, because instead of you're basically paying up front, and they're going to give you X amount of internet for the month mm -hmm. that you don't get to roll over. Right. I think one of the the other big selling point, and this has to do with the incentive alignment, is with these like with the internet infrastructure, you're paying it forward. 
I'm not paying thirty. I'm not paying seventy-five or hundred bucks a month, and maybe I'm using internet. Maybe I'm not. I'm paying as I use, which yeah. actually lowers my bill. Essentially, gives me a higher quality, and then the other incentive alignments make everything else work. And now you're not chasing down people for a bill payment. Yeah. Because they just pay for what they use, and if they're not paying, they don't use, or they use a lower tier. There's a lot of the different models you can play with. Yeah, exactly. So I have a question then. So, um, so the topic of this is what what does utility in crypto mean? So is your company using crypto? So what, um, so basically our company is a company called Hawk Networks and we made the protocol called Althea. Um, okay. And it's an open source um, protocol and system and, and pretty soon it'll be a blockchain as well for settling infrastructure payments. So we use, so uh, blockchain is what empowers all of these positive things to occur. So it, it's not that our company uses crypto, mm -hmm, it's mm -hmm. that we, that Althea is a system based on blockchain okay. that makes these, uh, you know, the, those programmatic payments, those like like the toll world, those automatic payments, yeah. the equitable access, the equitable ownership possible. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so it, it almost, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but it almost seems like it, we could have called this utility in blockchain. Yeah. Or, or like they're kind of like... Yeah, well, yes. You could say there's utility, again, and uh, Deborah brought this point up earlier. I was sort of saying the same thing. It's like you can have utility, right? It doesn't mean you have to have crypto. I was um, – there's a video platform I like. I like a lot of just decentralized systems, right? So you talk yeah. about Filecoin. Filecoin yeah. is based off of IPFS, IPFS is just an alternate data storage system. It has nothing to do with blockchain. It's just about peer-to-peer -peer file storage. Yeah. Filecoin is the incentive model on top of that, right? Mm -hmm. So IPFS works without Filecoin. Mm -hmm. And then you slap on Filecoin, and now you have an incentive model. But you could slap on, you know, storage coin yeah. on top of IPFS. That's, that's what makes an open system great. And it's sort of the same thing. It's like you have Althea. They've built Althea. You can slap on whatever you sort of want to because mm -hmm. that's the open source part. Yeah. Um, but they're also building that model on top. And we can talk about community currencies too. That's a cryptocurrency. I mean, part yeah. of what these kinds of systems empower um, in terms of just like actual cryptocurrencies is, you know, Detroit could use a community-based currency to pay for their internet access to, um, you know, to, to be the method of currency between local stores and things like that yeah. too. So there's a lot of things we can imagine mm -hmm. once that, once that wallet is in the car and in your telecom, you know, your phone and your home and part of your life, then you can use what you have to participate in local economies. You can make local currency. You can also, you know, lend or borrow based on what you have, which is a huge, um, also great equalizer right now. There's yeah. a lot of folks that are precluded from being able to access basic banking, yeah. you know, savings, um, earning interest, uh, lending and borrowing are things that allow us to have upward mobility. And right now that's precluded from a large part of the population. So, um that these are things that I think, like when we were talking earlier about what's the utility of DeFi, yeah. you know, open access to basic banking is really exciting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so tell me now then, what generally, what is, <laughs> what does the back. utility in, in crypto or blockchain, what does that sort of mean to you? Um, basically how you can utilize blo the blockchain or cryptos to, um, service people and align incentives. Yeah. I guess that's a very, I guess that's it. <laughs> I mean, I think at the end of the day, that is it. It's not one of those questions. It's like, well, what is green, right? Yeah. And you can go like, well, are we talking about how light bounces off? Or are you talking about how computers, yeah. how oil, uh, inks and stuff are mixed you can have a straight up yeah. and down answer this is um has a lot more subjectivity built into it but i think that at the end of the day it comes to those things we were talking about which is for me it's if you're talking about utility within a blockchain or within crypto space 
what are your incentives for doing it and does it make sense? Everything can say it has utility. Um, most people say it, you know, this is a point we didn't cover that we probably should. I think, in my experience, almost every project in this space that says we have utility says it to get around the SEC. Mm. They're like, this coin is a utility, it's not a security, and they go back to these old things, yeah. and that's really what they're really trying to model. And they use these really big fluff words that if you, once you dig into it, right, um, their white papers, which is really just their marketing press kit, um, you see there's no utility. And the SEC doesn't care that you just threw the word on there. Well, that actually was my next question I had was how does somebody go about looking up utility like and I think you may have touched on it with the white paper but I'm um, like how do you I would recommend that they <laughs> here it goes we're going to say they do their own research and so that would be episode four <laughs> where we talked about do your own research yeah. what does that even mean yeah. so they have to do their own research you know you can't trust definitely you can't trust the person who said we have utility yeah Right, that's the whole that's the ethos I push around all of don't trust, verify. Yeah. Go verify it. The best way you can verify it is on your own. Figure out how to do that. That's a challenge. So go check out episode four when we talk about that. But um you can verify it and then see if it makes sense. Some of the things we talked about, you know, it's like yes, there's utility in supply chain on a blockchain because of the transparency, the permissionlessness. But if that, once you start looking into it, if it's only Walmart and Costco that are validating the chain and doing all of that, yeah. well, then you've gotten rid of the permissionless, yeah. you got rid of the decentralization, you got rid of the trustlessness. Why are you on a blockchain again? Yeah. Right? And so who cares about your utility? That's a database. That's what we've had. There is utility without, and there's utility in centralization. You know what I mean? A big problem, everyone wants to shove stuff on a blockchain. Um, but there's utility in institutions, you know, historically yeah. you need to, if you're dealing with just basic money stuff, right? If every bank is separately run entities and every bank is issuing their own dollar, right? Their own version of the dollar. Yeah. I have bank of America dollar. You right. have, you use chase bank dollar. Yep. How can you trust my dollar over your chase bank dollar? And you have this problem. So an institution, a centralized entity to help the regular person figure that out, that's great. And this is what's revolutionary about blockchain. We, we don't live in the 1400s anymore. We have technology. And so you can replace that institution with a trustless, permissionless, right. distributed ledger, which is all a central bank really is. Right. It's, a, it's a centralized ledger, but it's just a ledger. Yeah. You can shift that. Because we're supposed to trust them. You're supposed to trust them, to, but if yeah. you don't have to, yeah. you don't right. need to anymore. Right. Right. If I don't have, I if I wanted to use the internet as an individual, sure, we could try to set up some kind of system where each one of us can drill down into the core, like twelve actual pipelines that carry the internet around the globe. But who's doing that? <laughs> yeah. Right. So we we shift that to these institutions or corporations right. who will spend the money and then make charge the you for it for to us. make the convenience. Yeah. You needed that. Right. So that's cool. But if we get to a point where you don't need that anymore, mm -hmm. why not shift? Right. And so, yeah, there will be a point, I'm sure, in the future where regular tracking your, you know, bananas through the blockchain <laughs> will make sense. I don't know that it makes sense today, and that's why you need to yeah. do your research. Does this really make sense? It sounds good. We can talk about it, but just I, I really like the freeway infrastructure yeah. thing. It, it, I could have sold you on that 20 years ago. Yeah. Technically, it was impossible to do, right? Yeah. Now we're getting to a point where it's more logical to do. Like even what I just said with putting yeah. a smart wallet in your car, that sounds good. Yeah. It's technically not possible yet. Well, we don't have the smart city infrastructure to do it yet. Right. And we're at a point, though, my approach is we're at a point where we can build a smart city infrastructure that's trustless, mm -hmm. that anybody can get onto, or we could build a smart city infrastructure yeah. that's not trustless. Yeah. And we're sort of just back where we've been. Yeah. Right? Yeah, because I've heard both. I've heard smart cities are horrible. They're going to make us be like um, control, more controlled and more watched and less privacy. But, but then hearing the way you guys are describing it, well, right. it sounds really great. 
Mm-hmm. But, but then that's the that difference. The, yeah. yeah, that's the difference. The yeah, if we give, you know, Big Brother or whatever the control to run the smart cities or we own and participate. Take the control, yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. And that's what's so exciting is yeah. that we have those tools to do so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I think there's. Um, I don't think a lot, a lot of people. Growth. I don't think a lot of people know that we have the tools to do that. Yeah, well, I really don't because mm-hmm. I talk to a lot of like um, conspiracy-minded folks. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and I, I, and I always ask them cause they want to talk about it all the time. And I'm like, well, what's the solution? Like you can talk about the problem until yeah. you're blue in the face, but what's the solution? And they never have an answer, but now I have an answer for them. you. Do. You do. So I'm great. actually really excited. Thank you yeah. so much. Take, take ownership of the system. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so we'll start to wrap up this one before we do though. Uh, a, thank you for joining us yeah, and sharing the insight because yeah. it helps you get the builders. Um, tell people where they can learn more about Althea, if they want to get involved, how they can just dig deep, how they can do their own research on Althea. And take back their uh, their uh, their smart city capabilities. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> we have the tools. We, we like to call them Legos, right? So <laughs> if you're looking to build, um, yeah, we are available at Twitter, at Althea, Althea Network. Um, that'll get you to our Discord, where there's a there's a lot of builders there, and, and onto our forum, um, and so encourage you to kind of start there. You can also go to althea.net. Um, that'll get you to the right place. Um, and uh, we are in, uh, also available to hold these kinds of conferences and 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 in the city of your choice too. So we have a little toolkit for folks that want to hold. We call them boot camps, right? Because they're really like very much, uh, you know, getting together on the ground, putting radios and antennas up. And and if that sounds like something that you're interested in learning more about reach out oh i'm gonna reach out to you i have a meetup group and we, we want to do this yeah let's make it for everybody we want to do this awesome good um they can also go check out the right where you know when you're if you're listening live we stream live but you're also also on apple and spotify and we'll be in this episode will be on youtube in the next couple days okay. um so all your streaming platforms, but go to theblockument.com because not only can you find a link to all the, your, your preferred show preference there, we're going to have resource links to all this stuff. Yes. So if you were like, well, I'm listening to my card. I couldn't just write down all those. I'm not going right. to remember. Go to theblockument.com. We'll have links directly to how you can get to <laughs> Althea, how you can learn more if you're in the Detroit area about what they're built, we're building here in Detroit. And... Uh, Utility, how you can find utility in crypto across the spectrum. Um, Also, check us out on Twitter, TikTok, Facebook, um, all at the Blockument. Yeah. And go listen to some past shows if you need some context on some of these things. Uh, So that's it. We'll see everybody in another two weeks. Yeah, right? that's right. And don't forget to come for the riches. Stay for the revolution. All right. Okay. Thank everybody. See you soon. Bye. Thank you.